Hello, my name is Rachel and welcome to the Narrative Labyrinth. Here in this small corner of the audio internet, we dive into film, TV, literature and games with in-depth review, discussion and analysis. I'm your host, Rachel, and today I'm joined by uh, two really interesting guests um, who are coming to talk to us about cosplay and identity within cosplay, or the reason why we dress up. So would you please welcome... Hi, I'm Joanne Alexander, also known as Hedge Scout. I um, I'm addicted to cosplay. I'd probably need help because of the sheer amount of costumes that I have. Hello, I'm Andy. I'm back again. Uh, or maybe this is the first time you're hearing me. I don't know. Time is a solution. Lunchtime doubly so. But I'm here because I cosplay as well. And Rachel needed someone else and she found me hiding under the cupboard. It is true. So um, right off the bat, I'm going to get rid of the um, elephant in the room. I don't actually cosplay um, and I've never cosplayed. Um, uh Jacques. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, I LARP instead. So I do uh, live action role play, uh, which is sometimes very similar to cosplay, but not. So I'm here to kind of not give anything to the cosplay conversation other than I take pictures of cosplayers when I go to events. Yes, uh, some very interesting photographs probably of me from an event a few years ago when my zip went and my Marshall Lawson outfit. I actually have that on video. <laughs> I I haven't seen it yet. Oh dear, that was funny. <laughs> anyway, I was like, but doing as my zip and a cats and a tight catsuit just decides to creep all the way down in a, a room full of people. Well, it wasn't a room full of people. It was probably somewhere that was the size of a warehouse, and it was the full. Well, of- I can remember a, a another instance uh, involving a uh, some sort of feline statue, a martial law costume, and a uh, another costume malfunction. Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's where I showed everybody my bat crack. I forgot about that when my trousers ripped. There was another time, actually, Batwoman's outfit, her, my bat crack ripped then too. Actually, this is a great way to start the start the, the podcast, isn't it? Yes. Cosplay malfunctions. Happens all the time. No cosplay survives contact with a convention. <laughs> so cosplayer and part-time nudist, intentionally or otherwise, is what I'm hearing. So, uh, although the term cosplay was kind of coined in the 1980s, like the practice of cosplaying um, has roots kind of as far back as the 15th century, um, where people kind of in carnivals would dress up as objects or concepts or uh, historic figures. And actually, I would argue that you could even say it back further than that to kind of ancient Greek and ancient Rome, uh, where people would dress up as muses or as gods um, or as kind of fictional characters for stage plays. Uh, Would anyone disagree with that? Now, I've kind of made this big assumption. I think that sounds reasonable. Uh, I I, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Yes, definitely. Yes. Um, I think probably the need to dress up and to be somebody else is something that's probably intrinsic within us as humans because we're always our own worst enemy and we're always thinking that, well, if I'm somebody else, maybe life might be better. I'll try this for a while. I can see that. So could you, in your own words, describe cosplay? Andy, I'll let you go first. In my own words, describe cosplay. Uh, cosplay? <laughs> Too literal. Oh, is that too literal? Yeah, it's probably a little bit too little. Well, what is cosplay to me? Cosplay to me is, uh, and from my opinion, it's an opportunity for me to create a costume, a cosplay, and then to inhabit that character at a convention. And Joe, what about you? Cosplay to me, oh, it's it, the, my problem is it's very all-consuming. I have to have a connection with the character, so I suppose in many ways I am the character. That sounds really strange, but I'm thinking of characters like Catwoman, which I have quite a few examples of. There's something about Catwoman that just completely resonates with me. I like the fact that she's independent. She's bad-tempered sometimes, and she dresses up in in a kinky way. So for some reason, that particular character, I have a great affinity for. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's just, just, I think... God, what what does it mean to me? I suppose it means it means too much to me. I think, to be perfectly honest, I think I'm too obsessed with it, and I'm always striving for for perfection. <laughs> I can very much relate to that. Obviously, not from a cosplay point of view, because as mentioned previously, I don't. Uh, but from a LARP perspective, when I'm making a character, my uh, backstory uh, might be several thousand words. I might have um, 
like have a whole family history that again might be the same. I might write kind of books or fiction that this character has produced or, you know, creating costume. And that's all kind of in the stuff before you actually get to an event and have to be this character where it is completely all consuming. You are no longer yourself. You are somebody else. That is the whole point. So I can completely get that from from kind of, although not a cosplay perspective, a lot perspective, that it is all consuming being someone else. Um, and intentionally being someone else. Yeah, to me, LARP, LARP is actually probably much more involved to gain. It's, it is something I'd love to try because we can wander around a convention and someone will ask for a photograph and you'll maybe go into character for five or ten minutes, whatever. Depends maybe if I'm at an event as well with one of the costume clubs and what it is that we're doing that day. But for LARPing, it's a whole storyline. I think it's, to me, it looks more involved and to be honest, even more fun. Why have you never tried it then? I don't think anybody does it here in Northern Ireland. There is some Northern Ireland LARPs. I'm not saying there's not, uh, but there's definitely more kind of on the mainland. Yes, it's, I mean, my brother was telling me that he does know somebody over here that has connections with it. And um, I was thrilled to hear it because I'm really hoping that it takes off here because <clears throat> I think it's something that the cosplay community in Northern Ireland would have a field day with. They'd love it. So... Andy, where do you sit on the cosplay to LARP kind of? Because you definitely don't LARP and are not interested in LARP. Is that correct? Well, that's an interesting distinction to make. And I actually had a question for you before we begin now. It was, why do you think you haven't ventured over into the realms of cosplay? Why, why have you stuck within the world of LARPing? The reason I've never got into cosplay is I think I have found kind of I've looked at it in the past um, and I was in the process of making a documentary on cosplay and we had really negative experiences from the cosplay community um, about um, not wanting to, to get involved and not wanting to kind of share. And they were very gatekeepy and that definitely kind of made me step back and not want to pursue cosplay anymore. And I've thought about it on several occasions and there's several things to be like, that would be really cool. Uh, but as kind of uh, Joe pointed out, uh, LARP is very all-consuming um, and I only have so many spoons to, to deliver. Well, I mean, we'll circle back around to the whole gatekeepy thing because I have thoughts on that. Oh, you do. But is it? <laughs> yes, I do. Oh, you do. You're welcome. Um, but what's interesting is there is actually a slight element of LARP in the cosplay that I do. You see, one thing which distinguishes the way I cosplay as opposed to the way Joe cosplays and many others do is Joe tends to cosplay specific characters. You know, Joe cosplays as uh, Batwoman or as Catwoman um, or... You know, there are specific characters who exist on the screen that Joe relates to and you inhabit. It's fair to say, yes? I've started to probably do different things in terms of of the pirate and I have the vampires. Hmm. So that's probably nearly closer to to the LARP side of things, really, I suppose, rather than... Well, you see, the the thing with me is I almost never cosplay as specific characters. I inhabit the world. I like to create the costume and the props and to inhabit the world of characters, but I don't tend to actually cosplay as specific characters. So I don't want to take on the burden of being Dread or being Venkman or being Kirk. You know, I have a Judge uniform, but I'm not Judge Dread. I have a Ghostbusters uniform, but I'm not one of the four Ghostbusters. I have a Starfleet uniform, but I'm not a member of the Enterprise crew. So there's, a, there's there's almost a little LARP in that respect because I do kind of generally build up my own character and persona. And, and Joe will attest that, especially when I'm out in the judge gear, I inhabit a persona that is very different to who I am. But it's only on while I'm in the costume. I, I've I've had a, a taster session of a LARP at Nine Worlds and... Uh, they all took it far, far too seriously, and I didn't like how stressful it was having to inhabit that headspace for an entire duration. So that's one of the reasons why I've never gone into the LARPing side. So you're saying you kind of you cosplay, but you're cosplaying within uh, you're playing um, in a world that's already created is is kind of what you're saying, Andy. Rather than I'm going to set out to be um, Carl, Urban, Carl Urban's Judge Dredd from the 2012 movie. Excellent movie, by the way. Um, you're not setting out to be Carl Urban as Judge Dredd. You are playing 
a judge set in the world created by the 2012 movie, for example. Well, yes. Well, well, yes. But I I think it comes down to what is, for me, the most enjoyable part of the costuming, and that is creating the costume and creating the props, because I find a deep connection to the... um, to, to, to the filmmaking and the, the world of it, you know, when I'm building a replica lightsaber, for example, I want to make it as accurate as possible. I want to use the same techniques wherever possible and use the authentic parts because that's the part which I enjoy. But once that's done, I don't want to be that person, that character. In, in fact, the only cosplay I've ever done, which is a character, and this was just more because it was... Slapdash, not because I identified with a character or want to be them, but that's the Amos uh, Burton from The Expanse, and that's just because I had a spare green flight suit, and I'm like, what the hell, I'm going to be Amos. <laughs> so um, that was the extent of that. But for me, like making the judge outfit and making it as accurate as possible and getting screencast helmets and uh, you know lawgivers made from the files that were used to actually make the film, making the most accurate judge costume I could do was what I enjoyed doing. But I don't want to be constrained by pretending I am in that world. You know, it's it's a weird distinction to make, but it gives me a certain amount of freedom to, well, for one thing, take my helmet off because Dread never takes his off. I can take mine off, and and to another, just be myself in that world. I hadn't thought of that before about your cosplays, and I can completely see that now. Yeah, no, no, my my judge as well as judge. Judge Archer, and she is in in the twenty twelve world, and I well I do an older version of Anderson, surprisingly enough, because I am older than Anderson, and it's supposed to be her on the streets years later, and with slight changes. But yes, there is a lot to be said for inhabiting the world rather than being the character. I, I probably do have a habit of doing the characters. Um. I mean, the, the one that, there's two costumes I'm actually waiting. I, I, I usually would build costumes from scratch with my friend Kate, who's called Maison de Cato, and we would usually make costumes together. But I've decided on this occasion, and I still will be torturing her. She just doesn't know this yet. I've ordered <laughs> uh, no Agatha Harkness's witchy costume, no the floaty one, and mm-hmm. uh, Queen Maeve from the boys. But I plan to really upscale those two costumes whenever whenever they arrive, especially Queen Maeve's, because I'll replace some of the, the vinyl uh, arm bracers. I'll, I'll make them partially out of foam as well. I, I have great plans to do that. Uh, and I just... I, I like those characters. For some reason, I seem to have about four or five Queen characters. Apart from Freddie Mercury, seems to be the only Queen that I haven't done recently. Is that on your list? Still time. <laughs> <laughs> just letting my moustache grow out. But yeah, I've... I've It'll be Queen Maeve, uh, Lilith, Lilith, Queen of Hell. I just love doing her because she's uh, Michelle Gomez. Uh, Queen Hippolyta. And there's another queen. Oh, damn it. Yes, it'll pro- I'll probably wake up in the middle of the night and remember who it is. But yes, there's, <laughs> there's another queen, but I can't remember who it is. Queen Cersei, yes. So I find it fascinating. You've done so many different... Uh... Character, like you've got a huge repertoire of characters, and there's not a huge amount of similarities uh, between them. I think, in you know, in terms of costume style, they're all quite different. Um, Queen Maeve looks very different to Agatha Harkness, I'd say. Yes, <laughs> in terms of their physical costumes. Um, so you've both mentioned um, about kind of quality and build and stuff, and that's actually one of the things that um, put me off. And I think this is uh, the same thing that put me off reenactment is again kind of uh in the in the uh the heady past when i was um kind of looking at what i wanted to do reenactment cosplay larp sort of where i wanted to to kind of play um i found uh reenactment and cosplay were very uh, militant about how your costume had to look what it had to do um and i like reenactment sounds great but i want to run with a i want to run around with a sword um and reenactment saying actually no you're female you have to go and take part in kind of the more female activities and oh by the way uh the stitch on that person's dress is wrong i will never forget um i actually 
Uh, I was filming a, a documentary at a medieval fair. The host that was uh, taking us around and talking to us uh, pointed out how someone's hood on their robe was um, a fantasy version of a 14th century hood, not a historically accurate version of a 14th century hood, and went and told them. Oh, what a bastard. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, this is really toxic. Like, I... I you don't know the reason they've got that is that because that's all they could afford to buy is that because that's the reference material they had to make it from like what did it matter this basically public event so that that kind of put me off right now and I had very similar experience looking at doing uh cosplay um where people like well no it has to be the right thing at the right and it was just like this is a lot of rules and LARP I can get away with wearing Primark trousers Uh, well let me tell you Primark is one of my go-tos at eBay when I'm starting to make a costume. Do you know what? I actually do wonder if there's maybe a move away from that from that snobbish. I can see a, a slight sea change in, in how things are over the last six, seven, eight years. That, yes, you still have uh, CRLs as standards for uh, the 501st, the Rebel Legion, the Emerald Garrison here. But I think there's maybe more of an acceptance of people more than they more than there used to be there is i don't think the snobbery bit is just as prevalent particularly here in northern ireland as it was i think people are maybe more inclined to encourage others they're a bit more forgiven than than i think they once were i mean i've been guilty of the snobby bit oh 100 i really have um uh much to my shame but i just want to see people cosplay now i don't Yes, I care what they were, uh, and and I like helping people t- to make it better. But just get out there and do it. Are you not going to walk up to someone and say they've got the wrong stitching on their hood? That's uh, no. Wrong? <laughs> even even at my worst, I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> Honestly, I wouldn't have. Um, I just maybe it's maybe it's getting older as well. But you can't help but think. I mean, we, we've just been through a pandemic. There's hardly been any conventions. People have died. We're still going through absolute turmoil. Maybe it's time to think about something else and just just enjoy it and not get so wound up about it. Where do you stand on this, Andy? Oh, thank you for asking. Oh, I've been sitting so, <laughs> so, so patiently there. Oh, I, I have, Anyway, thanks I have, for that, Andy. Moving on. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm recording this podcast. No, 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 no. I'm having my day in court. Yes, I have opinions here. Um, you're shocked. I know. Um, so I, I came quite late to cosplay. You know, I, I, I started cosplaying 2013, I think it was, uh, in, in the wake of a dread, uh, the dread film. So there was already quite an established cosplay scene, especially when it came to things like Star Wars uh, with the 501st and uh, Aliens with the Colonial Marines. There's, there's a few cosplay groups which are out there. Um, and at first, I was a little in, 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 enamored with them, these groups because you'd see them at the conventions and they'd all be standing around there fancy tables with their fancy banners uh, in their fancy costumes uh, as if royalty almost you know there was a certain sense of why yes we are yes we are fantastic why yes this is really my hair yes we're amazing yes yes no no autographs there was a certain amount of snobbery there and i was attending i think it was star wars celebration in 2016 where yes ladies and gentlemen i did go wearing a star trek costume um you did. Yes, I did. And uh, there was, uh, I, I met someone there, uh, a lovely young kid. His name was Harrison. Um, I say kid, you know, he was like 17, 18. Um, and he had uh, a Stormtrooper outfit. I, I don't know the ins and outs of Stormtroopers, but I looked at it and instantly I knew it was a Stormtrooper. It looked like it was made from the right materials. It was all fitted correctly as far as I could tell. Um, he had his blaster and he was really excited and he was going straight to uh, the 501st slot because he wanted to show them and join up and be part of the, you know, the, the 501st. You know, the, the, these, they're famous. Why, they even named Vader's uh, personal legion after them. So, so it was really excited. So he went down there and I went off and did my things. I trolled a little bit because, you know, <laughs> I'm in a Star Trek uniform at a Star Wars convention. So much fun. Uh, but I met up with him later in the food court. And he was pretty devastating. I was like, what's up, mate? And he goes, oh, yeah, they said I can't join up. And I was like, well, why not? He goes, oh, my costume's not good enough. And he was gutted. I mean, he was devastated. And I looked at his costume and I'm like, that, that, 
it 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 looks better than a lot of the actual costumes that I've seen in terms of from film production because you know I've I've got a background in film production and I know that props tend to look quite chunky. Anyway, ever since that day, I have sworn I will never join any cosplay group which requires any form of clearance for their costume because, in my opinion. The only person who has any say on whether or not your costume is good enough or not is you. Anyone else can get thee to fuck. Because um, it's purely gatekeeping at the end of the day. It's purely about being able to say, I'm in charge of this thing. I'm better than people. I'm setting a standard. And they will often use the excuse that, well, if we're invited to a charity event or if we're invited to something, they just want to make sure that the costumes are to a certain standard. Fuck off. Charities just want people to show up and collect money for them. They would just be happy that you turn up there. Even if you turn up, and we've seen uh, people in the Dread stuff who turn up with like um, rubber chicken pauldrons. It's, it's great fun. It's meant to be fun cosplay. And people who take that clearance thing to the nth degree are just sapping the fun out of it. I love my costumes to be hyper accurate. I mean, I, I have the lightsaber here in front of me. This is uh, made from a real Graflex flash tube, which cost me... A lot of money. No one cares. No one cares the fact that the rubber strips on the back of this thing are correctly positioned to how they were in A New Hope. No one cares that I have an authentic um, bubble strip from a calculator on this thing because it was important to me. But if someone else shows up with a, I don't know, um, one of the Blacklight series lightsabers, I'm not going to look down my nose on him and tell him he's wrong. As long as they are enjoying it, that's the only thing that matters. I hate cosplay snobbery with a passion that burns like a thousand suns. And you know what the best thing is, though? The absolute best thing about the 501st. Uh, and I say this with all respect to many of the members. I love many of them. I love Joe, and I know she's a member. But yep. Joe jo, jo will appreciate this because, um, as, as people know, they, they have their costumes. The Mandalorian, season one, uh, they... No, oh, don't you dare to bring those this coat. Oh, oh no! It's, it's, it's happening! It's happening! This is this is you'll love this, right? So, the, basically, when they were doing the Mandalorian season finale, they decided to reach out to the five hundred first for some reenact for some cosplayers and some costumes to use on the show, right? And they had a couple of uh, people in scout uniforms. I don't know if it was uh, the actors wearing the scout uniforms or if it was the um, the cosplayers. I don't know what it was, but. They weren't wearing them properly. I think they had the knee pads upside down. They the, did. The, the, the Their nappies were pulled down. The, yep. the, there was there bits was of a costume stuff. that weren't quite right. But the best thing about this is now is that it now is right. Because it's yes. canon. It's appeared on yeah. screen like that. I love it. <laughs> there, there's a whole backstory as to why it looks the way it is. It's supposed to be their, like, their like, revenants, their, their, their remainder, their, their what's left. After the Empire got their arse kicked by the rebel scum. They and came up with that later. They've come up with that later they to justify did. it. There's no doubt about it. It was a hell of a shock. To us bikers, because I'm a biker scout. To us biker scouts, this was a hell of a shock. Now, I know that you're slaking the costume groups. Personally speaking, for me, yes, there's been times where it's been really, really frustrating. But I have ended up... It's taught me how to make a quality costume that I don't think I would have been at the standard I'm at without the guides from the clubs and the people that I've met and the talent and just the environments at times. We have build days so people would encourage you, oh, I've got this kit. I don't I don't know what kit to buy or I've bought this kit. Can somebody help me put it together? You know, you all get together for a day and you help the person make their kit. There is a lot of camaraderie. There are some clubs that are that are an issue and they are venomous and other clubs which are just really nice, helpful people. And unfortunately, it's just the luck of the draw where you are, I think, is an awful lot of it, too. Um, my right now at this moment in time, hand on heart, I can honestly say that um, the clubs that I'm in are great and very supportive of each other. They're, I'm in a, the one particularly now that, that I'm thinking of is the a Doctor Who group over here. We don't have any clearance, but everybody's just that enthusiastic. And some have been in other clubs as well that we just try to make everything the best that we can and we make variants of different things too so i think actually i'm going against my own argument here there's a club <laughs> that has no clearance and yet everybody's 
really wants to make it the best that they can. But I put it down to the members for that. We're just a group of people who don't want any politics in a group that helps each other. And we actually did Dublin Comic Con in March. And we had a great time. Absolutely fantastic. I, I will say, I, I did tar everyone with the same brush. And I do apologise for that. There are fantastic groups out there. No, he doesn't. I, no, I, honestly, I do. And there's groups out there which I, I have enjoyed working with. Um, but I personally will not join any group which mandates any kind of clearance. And I've had groups approach me and ask me to join on my costumes because they said, oh, you should come and join us. Oh, yeah, you, you, you get in no problems because your costume's good enough. And I was like, well, it's none of your damn business if my costume's good enough or not. You know, it's it's I, I, I won't join. And I think groups like the one you described, they are hugely valuable just for creating that sense of community mm-hmm. and helping each other. And and how many times have you know you and I helped each other or had other people come together? I mean, you introduced me to Connor to help me do my Ghostbuster gear because, you know, that's one of the great things about the community is it can be very uh, welcoming and, and connective and, and working it. But I just think the problem comes when you get a group of people who will place themselves above others and start telling you if you're good enough or not. And at that point, it stops being fun and it just becomes a bit of a chore and a bit of a um, uh, a click almost where they'll, they'll let their friends through if something's not quite right because, oh, they'll get to it at some point. They'll, they'll, they'll deal with it. I see that every, every type of club I've ever been in, whether it's been archery, <clears throat> excuse me, motorcycle, just everything. I've seen it in every, every walk of life. It's always there. People inevitably in the end get so far up their own arses that they just have to dominate things and they spoil it for everybody. everybody every club has an arsehole. And if you don't know who the arsehole is, that makes you the arsehole? That's exactly it. Chances are you've been somebody's arsehole at some point. I'm kind of worried about the Nostromo group all of a sudden now because I can't, I can't picture who's the <laughs> arsehole there and I'm just like, oh dear. Yeah, that, that, that's actually a good point. Yeah, well, there, there's funny enough. There's... There's a unique sort of little group of individuals that came together. We're, we're a wee Nostromo group. Yeah, we're, and, we're, we're uh, a polyam cosplay fam. Yeah, that's, exa- that's exactly what we are. And we have helped each other through some very dark times, particularly over the last few years. I know I, I probably would have cracked completely without you guys. And there's been the encouragement over costumes. And the thing about that group as well is everybody in that group is also absolutely obsessed with accuracy. Yep. Have you noticed that? <laughs> oh, There's no, none I... of us that are like, yeah. fuck it, that'll do. <laughs> We're <all> obsessed. <laughs> so do we think that is possibly then intimidating for other people to join because everyone's so focused on accuracy? Oh, we're not allowed in. It's well, a private group. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're kind of snobby that way. Nobody, nobody else is allowed in. <laughs> oh, God, we're worse than the 501st. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, no, but the difference is no one wants to join with us, so it's fine. <laughs> do you think that... Uh, cosplay, um, the stuff that is cosplayed, which is kind of more traditionally kind of superhero, or yeah, I say more traditionally, like since the 80s, it's predominantly anime characters or manga or comic characters are kind of the main cosplay and Star Wars, obviously, science fiction. Do we think with this kind of geek subculture becoming more mainstream pop culture, do we think that's had an impact on cosplay? I personally think it has. I think there's a lot more cosplay and it's a lot more accepted, but I want to know your opinions. Well, it's definitely an awful lot easier to buy costumes over the counter. Whereas before you would have had to make everything from scratch when I started. Now you can you can go to AliExpress or on eBay or thousands of other suppliers and you can just buy the costume. The quality, well, that's that, that can be... It varies greatly, and it depends. Sometimes, they're, as I was saying earlier, I've ordered two, and they're going to be a great base for a costume. But, yeah, things are a lot more easier to get the hold of. Props, parts, you name it now. It's it's not the who you know type of thing that it used to be. So do you think that's because the internet is more prevalent, or do you think that that's because subculture is now pop culture? I think it's businesses see that there's money out there to be made because there are so many people into it and it's disposable income. Yeah, I I, I completely agree with that. You know, no one is going to make something if no one wants to buy it. You know, Marvel is now uh, owned by Disney. You can't get any more mainstream than that. Yeah, which means technically I'm a a Disney princess because I'm Ripley (laughs) as well. (laughs) 
I, I think it's just comic cons and conventions have just become so big. I mean, San Diego Comic Con in the States was for the longest time the only one people generally knew about when they thought about Comic Con. But, you know, now when you look at like MCM London, which I think is the biggest one in the UK, at its height, I think it was pulling in close to 200,000 people. Do you think it will get those numbers back again? Do you think COVID is the reason that it's obviously not run and then had smaller numbers? Yeah, no, 100%. Because, I mean, think about it. Marvel and Disney are the biggest thing on the planet, bar none. I mean, there's, what, four Marvel films out this year? There's Disney Plus is... It's it's the Borg. It's just assimilating absolutely everything. Um, Spider-Man Far From Home... Far From Home? Was that the last one? The last Spider-Man no one. No, no Way Home. Way home. Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, or Sp- Spider-Man 3, but it's actually 6, but whatever. Um, you know, it, it made over a billion dollars while the pandemic was still ongoing. I mean, yes, it was the tail end. But if if you track what cinema attendance had been like up until that point, it, it, it pretended the pandemic had never happened. And it made more money than domestically in the US. It made more money than Avengers um, Endgame. It made more money than Avatar. It made more money than Titanic. It, it was just the biggest film domestically in the US of all time. And a lot of that was just riding on the nostalgia for you know, what is at this point, 20 years of superheroes on the TV. And that's just carry on. You know, we have people now attending comic conventions whose parents used to take them to comic conventions. Oh, oh, that's that's sad. That's just so sad. (laughs) It's great that there is so much now to do. I mean, it's totally acceptable to be running around your front garden with your bin and on your lawnmower dressed as a biker scout now compared to what it was years ago. So uh, you say that my parents live in a, a hamlet of 20 houses. And the only thing my mum can tell me about this place is that a stormtrooper lives two doors down. <laughs> my postman probably tells people that as well. Dear help him, he arrived this morning. I have, I have two posties, I have a man and a woman. And the guy arrived this morning and I had... This is going to sound really weird. I'd literally just finished shooting my bow. I'm an archer, and I was out practicing in the back in the back garden, part of the driveway. And lucky enough, he arrived just as I'd put the bow down. But another time, another time, he had delivered mail, and I was sitting in the driveway because a big driveway where the garage is, and there I was sitting, surrounded by guns, sitting painting them. And I had to explain to him that I wasn't actually in the IRA, that these were for a costume. So he never knows what he's going to. What's going to happen whenever he comes up our driveway? The now? highlight of his round, isn't it? Be like, what's the mad woman doing now? Painting a gun. Accidentally flashed the postwoman the other week. She says, you were very lucky that it was me and not one of the guys. Lucky enough, it was just my bra, but still all the same. She says, oh, accidentally, Yoo-hoo! of course I've done that. Well, when I do it properly, I like to do it and make sure that there's at least five or 600 people in the room. But no, on this occasion, it was accidentally. She was telling me that apparently there is somebody that lives in one of the villages nearby who likes to wander around naked all the time whenever the posties arrive. They talk about her a lot more. <laughs> I like that. You're second on the list after the nudist. <laughs> no, this is it. It's just not the same. I'm just not willing to get my bobs out for them. That's what the problem is. I uh, So something that I was um, musing on and reading, I guess, and I think this ties together a couple of things we've just kind of been talking about, is... Uh, obviously people are getting more and more um, militant about how costumes have to look, particularly in some of these groups, not naming any group names and obviously not all groups, hashtag not all groups. Um, Um, (laughs) Not all groups, but certainly that group. Um, Do we think the um, push for this accuracy um, and by expanse the push for more creative kind of people within the universe or cross-universe or cross-playing uh, stuff um, has been affected by kind of um, technology. So if you think kind of uh, before the 1980s, um, there was no way of uh, rewatching a movie at home. And if it was, you know, it was either on the television and you saw it or it was in the cinema and you saw it and you might see it two years later on television, that was quite difficult to um, kind of uh, follow it. You'd have to go a lot on memory or, you know, you'd have to hope there was an action figure or a poster you could buy or something in a magazine you could copy to create your cosplay. So not just the limitation of our production methods like 3D printers now obviously completely revolutionise, but cosplay and LARP um, obviously didn't exist 
back in that point in time. So it was kind of paint your egg boxes and get your black tights out. Do we think the kind of, um, I say, exp- the mini explosion in cosplay in the 80s has something to do with the, the advent of VHS and people having VHS and the ability to take Star Wars home, watch it at home, pause it, rewatch it, and create more accurately what is being depicted? Well, it's just before Star Wars. You know, Star Wars is the birth of the the, the summer super uh, blockbuster. And it was in the 80s you started getting the films which were high fantasy and, you know, more genre-led and had more interesting characters people wanted to cosplay as. No one wanted to dress up as Gene Hackman in The French Connection. Uh, but you did have, from the 60s, you had Star Trek in the 60s, you had Buck Rogers, you had uh, Superman's at the time, Batman. People did still cosplay, but if you look at images of cosplay from that point in time, um, they are a lot less accurate because there was a lot less ability to go back and, and check the source material. Yes, that's that's a good point. Yeah, I, I think maybe what drives some of it now is, yes, there is... There is the ability to check, to check online what something should look like, but then there's also there's a competition even even amongst those who aren't in clubs. I know a cosplayer that went cosplayed as a very accurate Robert Patterson Batman to one of the first screenings of Batman because they had the ability to watch the trailer, look at uh, uh, shoots from the set, um, contact more people like. The ability to access uh, that source material is so much more now than it ever has been. Well, there's, there's um, uh, you know, quite a few people I know who who make a point of as soon as the first trailers drop for a new um, superhero film, will start making the costume because they want to attend a premiere, and they're invited to by Marvel or Disney or DC or whoever's doing it because they want to see cosplayers and people in character at the premiere events. So you've got a a subset of cosplayers now who they kind of are chasing that high. They're chasing the new film before they've seen the film, before they really even know if they like it, because they just want to attend a premiere. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's absolutely fine. I understand that. But it's a subset which has largely come out in the last few years. Um, You know, prior to that, it wasn't really a thing. I think it's only really happened in the last decade or so. Uh, prior to that, if Star Wars needed uh, cosplays, they'd reach out to our favourite cosplay group and they'd just send, you know, whoever was flavour of the month. <laughs> oh, better much. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying it how I see it. <laughs> if you're... So, I guess uh, a fundamental question I have, um, and this again relates kind of to how you get involved, I guess. Um, would you say you are creating an identity or are you playing a pre-existing identity? When you cosplay? Ooh, I think my identities are a mixture of me and the character. Apparently, I, I quite often look like the character. I've been told that quite a lot. But I... You've been told you look like Lucy Lawless oh, more than gosh, once. I know. Which I, I take that as a massive compliment, to be honest. But not when you're wearing yeah. Ripley. That's the only thing that gets a wee bit more confusing. Yeah. Other characters I've been told I look like... Um, the Cersei Lannister one, Queen Hippolyta. I have about 50 different characters, so I can't really go through them all. It's a mixture of me and the character. I think it's hard not to be not to be completely something else if you want to stay sane. Hang on to a wee bit of yourself somewhere. It depends on the character, or, or it depends on the costume. When you're wearing the judge gear, it forces you into a certain state just from the nature of what the costume is you know i mean it, it's effectively a set of motorcycle levels with uh, levers with riot armor on um, and then you have the helmet which you know kind of comes down and covers most of your face so all people can really see is uh, your, your mouth and chin uh, it's got a very high kind of collar it keeps your shoulders back because you've got these large pauldrons you've got a belt with you know a lot of equipment on there it 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 makes you channel your inner fascist in effect, you you become the character. You, you you don't walk when you're in Judge Gear. You stride. At least that's what I find. And and so when I'm going around a con like MCM or what have you, I, you know, I'll, I'll have my lid on. I'll be walking around. I'll generally be scowling. I will be striding along. If someone shouts something or asks for a picture, I won't go. Oh yeah, of course, mate. I'll point them and go you, and I'll go over there and arrest them because that's what judges do. 
Conversely, though, when I'm wearing my Ghostbusters gear, because uh, I'm an absolute sadist and insisted to make it as accurate as possible, my proton pack weighs like 12 kilos. So let me tell you, after about five minutes, I am just done with the world. And that helps you embody that sense of world weariness that the Ghostbusters <laughs> have, that whole kind of, oh, God, when can I take this bloody thing off? I'm done with it. But still, when people run up and wanting to have a picture, you know, yeah, you make the happy noise, you know, you, you flick the switch and it does the kind of and people get a kick out of that. And sometimes I'll play the theme song out of the back of it because it has a massive speaker in there. Uh, and, and I'll walk along doing the little Ghostbusters dance, which is a ton of fun. Uh, so it really depends on which cosplay it is. But I think the cosplays themselves, for me, force me to inhabit that character to an extent. Funny enough, I I had a moment um, in Dublin Comic Con. A girl came up and asked for a photograph with me. I was dressed as Batman Returns Catwoman. And I sort of did the whole character thing. And I draped myself over and gave her a big hug. And she started to cry. So um, she said that Catwoman meant an awful lot to her. And my friend said, did she just start to cry? And I went, yep, she just started to cry. <laughs> so sometimes you... You give yourself away to the person that you're with. It depends on their reaction when they see you as a character. So how much of you is left at that point compared to how much they want to see is a fine balancing act. At that point, I was Catwoman because Catwoman meant an awful lot to her. So yeah, I suppose it does depend on the character and the circumstances at the time and how tired you are and whether you've had anything to eat. So at what point do you start to embody that? What's, what, at what point do you start to be the character or get into that that mindset for both of you? Well, well, with the judge, it's as soon as the helmet goes on. You can walk around in the judge gear without the helmet on, just with the stuff. And, you know, you'll be chatty, you'll be talky. It's fine. As soon as the helmet comes on, that's kind of it. It's almost like a switch has flicked. Sometimes it's for me, it's when the wig goes on. I get the makeup, depending on who the character is, I get the makeup on and then the wig goes on. And maybe there's a set of claws or there's something unique to that character. There's a particular prop that you tap into that signifies who that character is. That sometimes is whenever the switch is made for me. I'm thinking with the doctor, it would be the sonic screwdriver. Uh, whenever I start lifting it and put her coat on, and start striding about the place because she's another strider. She she doesn't just walk; she strides around the place. So yeah, it just it depends whether once it once the iconic part of the costume is in your hand or it's on you, that's when you really start becoming the character. So I find that really fascinating as a as a larper um, who very much obviously you have to embody uh, the character that you are portraying that you have often made or is exclusive to you um and i've done this in different ways i had a, a character in the past um who didn't ever sit down only ever stood up um which let me tell you at a <laughs> at a 42 hour game um longer than that 72 hour game was very very painful um and i hated every second of it but embodying a character that kind of had those characteristics and that persona she just wouldn't ever sit down that was a thing she didn't sit down um she also wouldn't drink uh, anything that wasn't like in her own bottle uh very paranoid um apparently uh, but i've had other characters where armor or costume has forced me to walk in a certain way or stand in a certain way or look a certain way that has definitely altered me as a person and i have to that's that's definitely the character is not that character without that thing that makes them do the thing. Um, I don't know if that then gets more kind of close to method acting, maybe. I think I think I certainly do to an extent, and I think Joe will too. In fact, uh, Adam Savage, uh, who used to be on Mythbusters, he does a video series on Tested, and he's spoken about this on a TED Talk, how, how he views cosplay as a form of performance art between you and an audience where you embody a character and then they will accept you as that character and interact with you in that way. Because when you're walking through a convention, people will not see Joanne. They won't see Andy. They wouldn't see Rachel. They don't see Zoe. They see the character and they will respond to you in that style. 
as if it was that character. When when people see an Iron Man walking around, they might, you know, they 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 are fully aware that you're not Robert Downey Jr. in a a, a motion capture suit. You know, they, they understand that, but they'll still approach you and treat you as if you were that character. And I think there's a certain amount of that. You, you do get some people though who, when they cosplay, it's just them and their friends want to wear a costume and have fun and walk around and experience it you know it that i think is much closer to a fancy dress side of it and i'm not being a snobbish kind of drawing a comparison between the two i just think there is a different mindset between the two as to how you approach it just gonna say you can see it in their walk i know that sounds a bit strange but people who are really into it walk differently from people who are just there and they've put something on for the day and they think it's just great to be there just wearing something different the walk's completely different. The attitude's completely different. There's, I think it's maybe... They don't embody the character, yeah. do they? They're just wearing the they costume. Are. I think it's maybe because us cosplayers are camera hoes. And we walk and we preen differently because we want to be looked at. When, obviously, you have an identity, and you both kind of said that an identity is part you, part the, the character or the world that you're coming from. Would you say that your identity then is like a self-concept or is your more identity coming through interaction or is it part of the group you're with? I guess, Joanne, for you, that's more of kind of a group identity because you're part of this larger uh, conglomerative group. But I guess that applies to Annie too when you do your dread costumes. If there's other judges there, we tend to, amongst ourselves, we'll be kind of jokey and jovial. But then if someone comes up and wants a picture, you know, we will all kind of at a flick of a switch become bastards because that's is that the do. um is that the term uh, for a, a group of <laughs> group of bastards uh, there's been some discussion about uh, what is the term for a group of judges the uh the the, the, uh, the front runner i believe was a court of judges oh i didn't know if it's going to be a murder of judges but i guess a court of judges i i, I think it for, for me anyway it, it depends on the costume each costume elicits a different reaction, a different performance. You know, if, if I'm on my own and like I'm looking for someone, if I'm looking for a photographer, if if I'm going somewhere, I'll tend to travel there. And I'm finger quoting here in character. You know, I'll I'll put the lid on. I walk in that way. The only time I'll tend to to not do that is if I'm eating, or if I'm speaking to someone who isn't part of the group I'm with or, or interacting, then I'll, I will not do that. But the rest of the time, I, I tend to inhabit it. It, it. It's it's part of the appeal for me of cosplaying is to not be me for a period. It, it is to inhabit someone else and to be able to switch off from, you know, being 40 years old in the 2020s, because let me tell you, boys and girls, that sucks right now. Um, it, it's nice to, to not have to be Andy for a while and I can be someone else for a day and just you know enjoy that I think for me one of the one of the definite things that carries across all my costumes is that I will dance at the drop of a hat if I hear music it doesn't matter what costume I'm in I will start dancing and I'm kind of known for that that I'll just dance anywhere I was there's our um I was gonna say our halls of justice our local government is, is a building called Stormont. We're often fighting up there. They're absolutely useful, useless. But uh, we have a statue up there, and it's Carson's statue, and it's of this, I can't even remember who the hell he is. He's pointing in a certain direction, and there's recent video footage of me dancing underneath it because I was up there with a, the Emerald Garrison who was dressed in a biker scout for um, an Action Cancer event. They were doing a, a fun run, and the music was playing. <laughs> I've been filmed dancing, so... Yeah, that's the one thing for me that goes right across. It doesn't matter where I am, what I'm doing, whether I'm in character, whether I'm not in character. I don't give a shit. Once the music starts, that's it. I'm away. I think that's really interesting because you've kind of given similar but differentiating answers. Uh, as, again, as a non-cosplayer, but as a LARPer, my identity very much is through interaction. You can't... There is no character without interaction with other characters because it's a self-created character. And if you don't interact with the world or with other people, then are you actually LARPing or are you just stood there in a funny costume? Um, and group identity to some extent. But I guess from an outward person looking in, I'd say group identity is a really big thing, particularly to the garrison um, and costumes where you can't show your face. Like self-identity is quite difficult when 
you are a faceless person or you're portraying someone that doesn't have a face or face is covered? Oh, well, I, that, probably the most dancing I've done is a biker scout. Nobody knows whether it's a male or female underneath that underneath that helmet. That's. I think there's a certain part of me that's maybe a tad selfish and that is quite happy to stand out. And I don't really care. I'm, I'm really happy to be there for the group and I love the group. But there's a wee part of me that just is so independent that if I hear music, I don't really care where I am. I, that's my independent streak. I'm probably letting the group down once I go off and start dancing randomly in places. Joe, Joe, we're walking in formation. Now there's a banging tune over here. <laughs> Bye. I have to dance. And everybody's kind of got used to it. And it's, it's, I used to be told off for it, but I still did it anyway years ago. Um, but it's, it, people love to see characters dancing in costume. Well, I just like doing it. I do it for me. I'm not really doing it for the group at that point. I'm doing it for me. Cosplayers' identity is one thing, but cosplayers' escapism, is that a thing, do we think? Or is that just uh, some psycho babble people have attached to a hobby? That's why I got into it. So how how does it work as an escapism? <laughs> if uh, as so, Again, someone who doesn't cosplay, how I can't understand how uh, cosplaying works as a way to escape because you're rigidly in something else. Well, I just told you it, it is it's for a period of time for a, you know, a day or so or a weekend. I don't have to be me. I can be someone else. But unlike with LARPing, where you spend a lot of time crafting and creating a character and filling it with rules and situations and have to inhabit the event and the world that is created for you there. This is a much more um, casual way to do it for me anyway where i throw on my judge gear i throw on my helmet and i'm not me until i decide to take off the helmet and then i can be me again or if i throw on the proton pack i'm not me until i take it off again yeah i find it very freeing it is definitely escapism i find it very freeing i also find it's a great way to connect with complete random strangers it wouldn't be the first time i've gone for a wander on my own and you'll find me talking to people i don't know who they are and i'll never see them again but I'm having a great conversation with them. I probably do that, actually, to be perfectly honest, without costume on, but I just find it an awful lot easier to talk to people once I'm dressed up strangely and inappropriately. You've got an instant point of connection when you're in the costume, mm-hmm. if, if they recognise you in that costume or if you recognise them. It's how we met, wasn't yes. it? Yes, yep. You know, we met at Nine Worlds. Uh, you were in your martial law gear and uh, we were with Darren and Laura, who were dressed up as Archer and Pam yeah. and... Uh, eyes met across a crowded ballroom and then all of a sudden there's a judge in the corner you know it's... I couldn't believe your costume I still I still remember that moment <laughs> I was pretending to snog Pam dear helper I had only literally just met Laura and I went oh why don't I pretend to kiss you I had a gimp mask on just seemed the thing <laughs> to do and I looked up and I seen you standing down the corridor in your judge and I thought holy shit that is some judge outfit that is absolutely superb because I had started to make one it took me three years to make mine because I I made about probably 20 other costumes in the meantime. And uh, that's, yeah, that's how we met. We hung around then that weekend and just kept in contact. And and uh, Andy has been responsible for many misadventures <laughs> since then. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, yeah, I won't deny that. I mean, put it a bit this way, by the end of that weekend, I, I, I was spanking you with a nightstick, uh, as I recall. There's photographic evidence of that. In um, fairness, I encouraged it. <laughs> You, I think you it was did. my idea. Yeah, you did. It hit me. <laughs> it, it, it definitely was. Uh, but it, it's yeah. The, the, for for me, cosplay. You know, I, you know, I, I'm I'm neurodiverse. I am shy by my nature. I'm not particularly outgoing, but that doesn't mean that the characters I'm cosplaying are that. They find it easier to to connect and to speak to people. And many of the friends who I meet up with and socialise do now do the cosplay as well because they kind of come from the same ilk it's it's given a lot of uh, a lot of us um uh who, who are perhaps uh not best versed in the way, ways of socializing in this world a way to do it and and so that's been a blessing yeah but a lot of introverted people definitely i i know quite a few that you meet them in costume and they're completely different people than if you were to meet them on the street dressed in civvies it's just a completely different world for them. They can just completely let themselves go and they feel happy when they're in costume, much happier than 
sometimes than they are in real life. So uh, do you think for all cosplayers or, or a large majority, do you think it is escapism in some form or another uh, is why they do it? Uh, well, I don't think it's necessarily for everyone. I, I, I think it, it's pertinent to us. But, you know, you know, something that we haven't really touched upon is I can't speak for Joe, but certainly for me. Uh, I'm slightly on the older side when it comes to cosplayers. You know, <laughs> You're slightly. They... I'm really on the older side of the cosplayers. So we'll not go into my age. Well, I, I, I was giving you an. Yeah, out thank there. you very much. But <laughs> you're welcome. But yeah, a, a lot of peak cosplayers when when you go to these events at like MCM, you know, it's 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 teenagers, you know, or people in their early twenties hanging out with their friends. It, it, it's become a mass, massive social event. Uh, for young people to go to these events and and to to hang out and enjoy themselves, and they are having a different experience to what we're having, and I think part of that just comes from, you know, the age of which we came to cosplay, and you know, it, it it's it's a fact of the world of once you reach, once you're out of your twenties, the world isn't really set up to allow you to socialize with people you don't already know, you have to go out of your way to find ways to make friends and to socialize and the world doesn't make it easier and this is a really fantastic way to allow you to do that and and so we've done that but you know you see people who are coming in who have you know their friends from school or from university uh, and they'll come in groups and they'll meet up with their friends and they'll hang out and they'll sit and eat on the steps at mcm run around and take pictures go and do all the shopping and then go go and do that so you, you definitely see when you're at a convention there, there is different ages are cosplaying in different ways i think for lack of a better term the, the more serious cosplayers like myself and joe and when i say serious i mean we put on a lot more time and money into it than perhaps other ones do we're not serious in any sense but we approach cosplay probably a lot closer to how larpers would do mm -hmm. because you know we, we put a, a lot a lot of time outside of the conventions just getting our cosplays ready Whereas a lot of these younger people, they'll go onto Amazon or they'll go onto eBay and they'll order a costume a week before the event and then they'll wear it and then afterwards they'll either sell it on or it'll go in a wardrobe and they'll never wear it again. And that's absolutely fine. That's how they want to experience content and they're able to experience it that way. I don't think I could experience it that way just because I don't think I'd have anyone to, to go with and hang out with. So are you saying, Andy, and I, I, I sort of, uh, based on this, I'm assuming, Joe, you probably agree, that the the actual event itself is almost not the fun bit. It's the crafting. It's the the producing of this character, this identity within a preset set of rules beforehand that also gives a lot of the enjoyment. Hugely. That sit and plan in a costume. I have numerous notebooks where I'll sit and draw the character out. I'll write down a parts list. Uh, then I'll do designs. How am I going to build it? What have I currently got? Because I have an awful lot of um, bits and pieces that I, I would kit bash things as well to make stuff, to make props. And I'll sit and work it out to the minutest detail before I'll actually start making anything at all. And that is that is very consuming. There are times actually where making the actual costume can be more fun than wearing it. Uh, oh, it's almost always that for yeah, me. Making it is more fun for me. It's just so much fun. I mean... That, that Batman Returns Catwoman that I put together, and it was a character that I've always wanted to do. The first couple, the last couple of times I've worn it, and, which is really the first few times that I've worn it because just the way it's worked out, I still haven't got into the, properly into the character yet, and I'm not sure whether I'm enjoying doing it. And that's a huge disappointment. I'm hoping that maybe I'll go and do a photo shoot or something and I can click with it a wee bit more, even though I was, I was sort of doing the character for characters for others at Dublin Comic Con. I don't feel I'm still there yet with it. So it can it can sometimes just be the putting together the costume is better than physically wearing it for the first time. It can be almost, there's so much of a build up to whenever you first go out in the costume that it can almost be a disappointment when you put the damn thing on and go. You've had so much fun before that making it and you've battled with it and you've learned new skills and... You've maybe talked to so many interesting people before you've got there and suddenly you put it on and you think, there's something in me that's missing. It's not the costume. There's something in me that's missing and I'm going to have to work on that. And that's sometimes there's also the, the, There's also, 
we both tend to do characters that we're interested in and we resonate with, but that's not necessarily what's the current flavour of the month. Yeah. And when you go to conventions, you will all you will always see a lot of Harley Quinns. There will always be a lot of Deadpools. There'll be a lot of anime characters. There'll be a lot of things which are quite popular at the moment and the now. And so they will always garner a lot of attention because people recognise those characters and they, they like them and, and they'll connect to them. But the characters we tend to do, you know, tend to skew a bit older and they're a lot more niche. And so while I certainly never particularly care about the attention, it can be a bit disheartening when you're going around, though, and people aren't acknowledging it or or recognising it. I will always make a point if I see someone in something like a Babylon 5 cosplay or something that I recognise as very niche of going up and just saying, I really love a costume, it's fantastic. I'll even take a a photo on on my phone because it means something for them. I'm acknowledging the work they've done in and showing that I have the same connection to the character that they do mm-hmm. too. Once again, nothing against the people that are doing the popular characters because they enjoy those. But for me, and, and I think the same for Joe, every time we choose to do a cosplay a character, the reason we put so much time and effort into it is because we have a personal connection to it that we want to express. It's like when we did the Nostromo group. You know, it was 40 years since Alien. And Alien isn't even the most popular film in the Aliens. You know, it's it's Colonial Marines with the the, the rifles and the armour and everything. You know, you you almost never see the crew. And even when you do see this crew, it's usually just Ripley. And the fact that we had, you know, I was as Dallas. We had Colin there as Kane. Alan came as uh, absolutely amazing Ash. Uh, We had Lee Morisot came as Brett. Um, Mm -hmm. Mark Anthony came to his first ever convention as Parker and it was we just had it was was amazing we had the entire group we even had a little Jones the cat there and we were walking around and while you know it wasn't like people were rushing and falling over themselves to take pictures enough people recognised us and when they came up and said that's amazing and wanted a picture that was enough for us I thought we got an awful lot of attention to be honest I I was actually genuinely surprised how much attention we got there was one point where we were standing it was Mark and Alan and myself were looking at the Eagle Moss stand and we were mobbed mm-hmm. at that part because we wanted to look at the the, the, the actual ship itself, Nostromo, and we got mobbed. People were yeah. recognising us left, right, and centre, <laughs> and it was it was extraordinary. I don't think I'd I, I don't remember getting that sort of attention with a group cosplay before. It was certainly it was really really positive, and genuine fans, mm. and it was it was lovely. I can't wait for us all to get together again at some point to do the Nostromo crew, because I think mm-hmm. that. There was, there, I think it just appealed to so many people at MCM that weekend and that if we went to maybe a convention, I, I find the London conventions sometimes nearly slightly more standoffish. I noticed that with Star Trek DST last year being in London compared to Birmingham, I thought there was a better atmosphere in Birmingham than there was in the Ugh. London one. That I think if we went to a convention with the team outside London that we would get, like, we would get massive response. The point I, I think is that there are other groups where if you get three people to Spider-Man, like if someone was doing Tom Holland Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield Spider-Man and um, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, and if they just congregate together on the steps of MCM, they will be mugged, quite quite literally. Uh, or if you have someone does uh, the Justice League, you know, a good Justice League, again, they'll be mugged because... That there's a much wider uh, spread of familiarity there for people, and it, it it skews to a younger demographic who is interested in those. You know, when when you become old fogies like us, you're less inclined to run up to people and say, "I want to take a picture with you." So that all said, what is your one kind of final comment or statement you want to make, kind of about cosplay and its relationship to you? The thing about cosplay is is it allowed me to f- find myself, and I know that's a wanky kind of answer, but it, it really did, and it allowed me to, to connect with, with people, and it allowed me to have fun. And let me tell you, folks, the world's a bit of a shitty dumpster fire right now, and it's super important to find out ways to have fun and enjoy yourself and embrace them. So do it. It's also a great way to meet people of all different ages. Uh, certainly, I think meeting people younger than me has helped me to realise certain things about myself as well, and to see things differently. 
it certainly broadened my mind and um i'm still on a on a personal discovery about who or what i am and i think definitely meeting the various range of people within cosplay has helped that and within the wider community so even though your identity isn't solely cosplay your identity has been massively shaped by your journey through cosplay and through the people that you've met along that journey hugely definitely uh i i think i always thought there was something unusual about myself but really whenever you have a a broader range of people uh you, you can see that well i think this way it's it's not that's it's unusual it's just it's different from everybody else who's rather rather boring most of the time as far as i'm concerned so i i am again but that's all down to relationships i suppose again and meeting people that think differently and possibly think better maybe than you have been thinking before in the past so it's been educational so cosplay is an educational tool as well as a heap load of fun oh absolutely it's definitely educational the, the things i can do with the power tool now is unbelievable <laughs> <Are you familiar>? <laughs> <laughs> always <laughs> um well on that note um that's kind of it for another episode of the narrative labyrinth um i'd really like to thank both of my guests um andy and joanne um have you either of you got any parting words or anything you'd shamelessly like to plug i'll let andy go first because he's loads oh okay uh, parting words he tasks me she tasks me and i shall have her I'll chase her round the moods of Nibia and round the Antares Meltrums and round Perdition's flame before I'll give her up. So he's talking dirty, don't worry I, about I it. Just, yeah, I was just threatening revenge on Rachel. Um, uh, you, if, if, if you like listening to me, I do have a podcast. They're all at rogue2media.com. Uh, mostly about science fiction or Formula One and stuff. Rachel's on them sometimes. We talk a lot. We do. I have indeed. A too. So, uh, yeah. There you go. It's in the show notes down below down in the doobly-doo so there you go and joe <laughs> um yeah well i'm i'm a weirdo and you can find me on instagram and uh facebook and uh, my my uh name is hedge scout h-e-d-g-e-s-c-o-u-t it's all one word sometimes it's a bit weird sometimes it's not necessarily about costume and it's just the random shit that goes through my head and i'm satanist as well uh as a skeptic and that though I probably don't put those on my own personal pages just as much. So that it's just random shit that goes through my head, actually, that are on my pages as well as my costumes. Um, sometimes a podcast, too. I have been known to appear on Andy's podcast and also Talking Codswallop and Banterflix when it's on, occasionally as well. But, uh, yeah, just... You can just follow me on those, but don't follow me in real life because that just gets a wee bit too creepy. Um, don't forget to catch uh, the next episode uh, when we will again uh, go into the depths of narrative on the screen, on the page and in the stories we create and play ourselves. Uh, you can find the Narrative Labyrinth on Twitter, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible and a host of other platforms that I can't be bothered to name, but you can find us there anyway. Uh, thank you very much for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.